We're going to be bringing a focus to joining in on God's mission today. And I just wanted to highlight that right there. If you could just take a moment and pray, looking at those words right there, just pray that prayer to the Lord, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Just take a moment to pray silently. Lord, no doubt we come into this place this morning and there are fears, and we want to cast those fears on you. And Lord, no doubt there's been failures in our lives in the past week and maybe even shame in this room because of ways we've walked away from you, the way we foolishly tried to find life in broken cisterns, cisterns that hold no water. But Lord, we bring all of that before you today, and we want to ask that you would move in our midst and that you would help each one of us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And so Lord, help us today. Holy Spirit, move in our midst for your namesake, for your glory. And Lord, help us each one to be open to whatever it is you want to move in our lives and so we give this time to you, we want to give our lives to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can put it back to that other slide, we're going to be using that in just a moment. Thank you so much. I want to give a, a few updates uh, for you today. We are making progress, I've got to watch this thing right here, I don't want it to go down again, I'm going to try to hold on to it. We are making some progress, and we're excited about some of the progress that we are making I have some special friends here today, Jeff and Lenny Raleigh and Sonny Massey, and I just wanted to welcome them. And Steve, you have someone that you want to welcome today, too. Who is that that you want to welcome? Amen. So welcome back. It's good to see you. And Steve, what an intro to the, to the time that we want to have today. God has done great things uh, through the ministries of this church, and we, we know that God continues to lead us to things that are going to be happening in the future. Let me give you a few updates. We want to let you know that we are moving forward on making progress on what a search committee will look like. And so when you get into a multi-site context, it's a little tricky because as you look for a pastor for this particular campus, this person will be your pastor, but also this person needs to be able to work well within a larger organization. So I think that we are making excellent progress on what that search committee is going to look like. And I hope within the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to give you a complete update on what that's going to look like and what your involvement will be in that particular process. One of the needs we've also had as a congregation is a, really to formalize the service and the ministry of deacons. And so we are also making some progress in that area as well. And a deacon is an official office within the church. And in order to expedite it, what we're going to move toward is an interim deacon board that we can actually move towards some people and appoint them in that interim role and help them, or allow them to help us formalize what we want deacons to look like at this campus. And so we're, we're making slow progress on that, hope to have a meeting coming up in the next couple of weeks to begin forward movement with that. And then this past week, Mark Loomis and myself and um, Jeff Arnold got together, and we were talking about life groups. And we began just to, to discuss some of the concerns, issues, praises of what God is doing in life groups. And we began to chart 
a plan of how we can move forward with that as well. Those are three strategic areas in the life of this church. And so I just wanted you to know that we are making some progress and moving forward with some of these things. And just to remind everybody, I just wanted to know if I could have our overseers stand up. I want to pray for our overseers. If our overseers could stand up, we've got Mark, and we've got Mark, and we've got Steve, and we've got Joe over here. It's been a joy to work with these men. And I, want to rem- I just want to remind you, be praying for your leaders as they try to guide us through um, the months ahead. I want you men to remain standing. Um, we've also, I think Anjanette's already back. She's back there, and Jeanette's standing all the way in the back there, and we're so grateful for her leadership in our children's ministries as well. Evan, who's been working with our youth yesterday morning, uh, took off for a business trip, a six-week-long business trip to Spain, but he and I met with Jacob. Jacob, are you here today? Is Jacob somewhere here? Am I missing Jacob or... All right, someone contact Jacob. He was playing hooky today. We called him out, and he wasn't here. But Jacob is going to be helping out in that interim time. And they've got a team that's working with them as well. And then we have life group um, leaders as well. If you're a life group leader, could you stand up today? Because you are frontline ministers to the ministry of this church, walking with people and shepherding them. And so we're so grateful for our life group leaders as well. So as you all stand, let me pray for you right now as we are making plans in the months ahead and just trying to anticipate all that God wants to do. Let me pray. Lord, we are so grateful for the leaders that you have set forth in this body of believers. And we know that you have plans for us, that you want to use each one in this body, in the lives of one another in this body, as well as in this world, to invite others to know Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we think about mission this morning, we're so grateful for those who stand in our midst, and they put the time and the energy, the heart, into leading others. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless them, the time commitments, the demands on their time. We pray that you would help them to walk closely with you. Lord, we pray that you would protect our leaders from sin, that the power of the gospel in their lives would crush any work of Satan. Lord, we pray that you would give them much favor and wisdom as they lead and the decisions that we need to make in the days ahead. Lord, that you would guide us in all of this. So we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do, and we want to continue to commit ourselves to you afresh. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So thank you so much for your leadership and for standing with us. Let me introduce the theme that we're going to be looking at today. You can see the title here. We join in God's mission. As a church, we are going through our core values. And today, I think there's six, and we're looking at number five today. Next week, Joe is going to be leading us in the one on worship. But notice what I've subtitled today, Gut Check Sunday. Now, that's a sports term. At least I think it's pretty much a sports term. But I think that we know what that means. This is a a week for us to stop and think about who we are as a team in the way that God is using us in this world. And and we want to consider some of what God wants to do through us. And so it's a gut check time. Is this this on? 
It did it. Okay, perfect. So we've been working through the North Star document. You see the purpose up there, again, are to glorify God in all things, at all costs, among all peoples. There's only so many different ways you can say the summary of what the Bible is all about. You are not your own. You're bought with a price, and we are to glorify and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the way we put it there. Our mission is developing people who are shaped and driven by the gospel. Every week when we meet together with God's people, something ought to happen in us to where we go outside these doors into the world, into the lives that God has blessed us with, and we are to be shaped and driven by the gospel. doesn't matter what we do throughout the week. We are to be shaped and driven by that gospel work that God has done in us, and we are to be passing that out to other people. Well, what does that look like? How do we actually become those kind of people where the core values begin to, um, begin to provide the, the language for us to use? We partner with God's Spirit. We live as God's family. We are formed by God's Word. We join in God's mission, and that's where we are focusing this week. Next week, Joe will take us through. We worship God always. But each one of these are interrelated. You can't say, well, I'm just focused on this one. No, you'll never be a part of God's mission if you are not partnering with God's Spirit. You will not be a part of God's mission if you are not living as God's family. It's a point I'm going to want to even make today. We, we need to be formed by God's Word as well. We need to be worshiping God always. Uh, John Piper says, missions exists because worship doesn't. And the more we worship, the more we actually become missional in a sense as well. So we join in God's mission. God, this is what the document says. God is on a mission to redeem his creation, starting with a heart-by-heart transformation of those who will trust him. This is not part of what he's about in this world. It is the center of his agenda and extends to all people groups. If that's the center of his agenda, it needs to be the center of ours as well. He has chosen to show and proclaim his gospel through his children. Therefore, our lives and ministries will have a strong focus on sharing God's love and message of salvation in word and in deed. So that's what we become about. So as we think today about joining God's mission, one of the things we want to do is is look at our internal world, our hearts, our passions, who we are and how we are living. Now, the document goes on and has a no, feel, and do. No, we would see anyone in the world who has a need as our neighbor. So taken right from the language of the New Testament, well, then who is my neighbor? Well, it's the one who has need. Those in the body of Christ have need. Those outside the body of Christ have need. We're surrounded by what would be our neighbors. Feel that we would desire to be kind members of our local and global community. It's not just right here, but this extends to the world and And Redemption Hill Church has been a part of reaching the world. That message has been going out. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a missions fair. And we're going to have tables set up with a hospitality area out here. We're going to have different mission representatives. And we're going to be thinking about the gospel going to the world, even in a more direct sense on that particular Sunday. And then the do. So we want to see happening in us. We would seek justice and mercy as always pursue opportunities to proclaim the gospel in word and deed to those who do not yet know Jesus. And so we want to join in what God is doing. So let's look back again at this statement about what it means to join in God's mission. And I want us to think about, if we could, in our own lives or in the life of a church, what can get in the way of this being our central focus as well? 
what are the things that can sidetrack us? What are the things that can preoccupy us so that we're not actually paying attention? My wife gets on to me every now and then, or maybe a lot, because I, I have a tendency to use my cell phone while I am driving. She's reminding me all the time, that's against the law. I'm trying to multitask, but why is that a law? The law, it's a law because you're, you're really actually driving down the road. That's your central focus, your central purpose, I hope, when you're behind the wheel of a car. And you can get so preoccupied with what's going on in your cell phone. I just want to send this quick message, but it becomes all about that message that it could lead to an accident, but you're no longer focused. We, we can't do two things at once, actually. Our, our mind doesn't work that way. We're focused on one or the other, and so we can get distracted by that. Well, when we think about joining in with God's mission, what are the things that can distract us, that can get in the way? And so this morning, what I want us to do in this first part, there's going to be three parts to this morning, and we're going to be singing along the way. But in this first part, my clear target is that each one of us, doesn't matter what age we are, Young people, I'm calling you to really focus in on this. This is not about the adults of this church. This is about all of us who are in this room right now. I want us to really reflect on our own hearts. And I'm going to try to help us reflect on our own hearts. What I'm trying to focus at in this first section is this first point. Joining in God's mission begins with a ready and willing heart. So we can talk all we want about the gospel going to the world and what we're going to do in this community, but it's got to begin with a ready and willing heart. And so this is that ready and willing heart that is not distracted by all these other things. It's just a ready and willing heart focused, making for us central what is central to God. His primary agenda becomes our primary agenda. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Is your heart ready and willing. Now let's think just broadly as a church. What can get in the way of being a ready and willing heart as a church? Recently, your pastor transitioned out of his position here at Redemption Hill to pursue another vocation. And this can be difficult for a church to find themselves walking through. And legitimate concerns have been raised about what happened and why it happened. There are issues of, is, was there proper support in place for our pastor? Is our approach to leadership in a multi-site context adequate to meet the growing needs and the pressing concerns that can just begin to move in on a church? So many questions can be there. And each one of you, as a part of this church, have had your own experience with that. On June 6th, I don't know how many of you were here at that meeting, but there was a meeting of this congregation to talk about some of the concerns that were there. Again, I'm a new kid on the block. I wasn't here June 6th. I didn't know the meeting happened. But I've read the, the minutes of that meeting. I've read a summary of that meeting. And I've been able to walk into all of what you were feeling as you came together. There were emotions in that time. There were certain feelings that needed to be expressed. There are certain issues that needed to be put on the table at that time. And the overseers want you to know 
we've not forgotten that meeting. We have tried to clearly highlight commitments that were made in that meeting so that we can continue to follow them through. That's their commitment to you. I want to encourage you that even little steps now are being identified and slowly taken as to how we can assess the overall leadership structure of a multi-site context. This is important to you. And I want you to know it's important to the overseers of this church as well. And they will see this through. Now, the issues that were expressed at that meeting are legitimate. And they don't need to be swept under a rug somewhere. They need to be faced honestly. They're, they're legitimate concerns. But, but here's the question. Can we as a church find our way through those things? Or how easy it is, is it for a church to become sidetracked? And those things become everything, and we forget the God's mission that we're a part of joining. That's what we're trying to ask ourselves today. We just want to be honest with ourselves about that. Because there can be many difficulties for a church. As a church, you can see we're meeting in a high school. I have many memories in this high school. Some of them good, some of them bad. And now there's a church here. Well, before you maybe even got up this morning, a team was already assembled coming in here and trying to make this place into a place where we could actually meet one another, greet one another, and have hospitality. And I've been amazed. Hats off to the people who do all this setup. When you walk in here, it really is transformed, as much as you can transform a high school. But you walk in, and it's, it is welcoming, and someone meets you at the door, and there's donuts and coffee, staple food groups that we all need to... <laughs> eat from, and, and you move your way this way, and, and you, you got the, the back seats, which are nice when you have to sit on these kind of things all the time. I mean, but over time, people grow weary, and this doesn't feel like home. We pack everything up, put it back in the van or into the trailer, and then we take off again. Then the next week, got to get a team back out here. And little by little, that becomes wearisome for the, the few who really commit themselves to it. I'm, cert I'm certain they could use more help. You got a comment card. Got a comment. Yeah, there's an amen right there. You got a comment card in your bulletin. Maybe you could jump in and be helping with that particular thing. But, but the point is this. It can, it can affect what our youth can do. They, do they have a place to go? It can affect anything we want to do in the midweek. There's a lot of difficulties. It becomes an issue. It's a legitimate struggle but you understand that that can capture emotions and begin to sidetrack you from what God wants us to do. In other words, it's legitimate, but can we find a way through it? As I've been listening to certain people, if I can just be honest, as I've been listening to certain people, some of you came to this particular campus because you wanted to escape other issues. <laughs> right? Am I right on that? So let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Others of you are going, what is he talking about? But, but if you're in that category, let's just acknowledge that. But as we become older, what do we find out? Problems have a tendency to follow us. We don't just leave problems behind. We actually bring certain baggage with us as well. And I don't want to make light of what those concerns are. They're legitimate concerns again. But I want to ask you this morning, do these... Concerns that can be so legitimate, 
And by the way, I want you to know the, the overseers are taking steps to work through some of them. But these concerns that can be so legitimate, do they have a hold on you today to where they, they, they're holding on to your heart in such a way that your heart's not so ready and willing. You're still kind of gritting your teeth just a little bit. You want to win this battle that you might be having. All of these can be legitimate concerns, but they can get in the way of Redemption Hill Church being the church that God wants us to be. And if we're honest, I would bet most of us, at least many of us in this room, have left the previous church for reasons that were just difficult and they were legitimate. But you know what? God has us all here this morning. This is where we are. And we want to become the kind of people who join in with God's mission. We don't want to become sidetracked by these things. So even this morning, if you are still just burdened by particular issues, again, I want to encourage you, please, use the comment card. If you need someone to meet with you, or if you just want to express your concern for prayer and then leave it right there, let's begin doing business with these things so that we can join in God's mission. So I'm asking you today, can you bring those things to the Lord? Let's look to Him so that we can come together as a church and join God's mission. Those are church things. Let's think about individuals for just a moment. Just you in your own little life, what can get in the way for you as an individual in having a ready and willing heart and joining in God's mission? Think of this question right here. What is your passion? What is your passion? Just think about that question and don't try to come up with the Sunday school answer. What came to your mind when you thought of the answer to that question? It's a simple question. But the answer to that question might actually identify what's in the way for you in joining in God's mission. Pursuit of your dreams, your retirement portfolios, the young man or young woman you have your eyes on, that job, the higher salary, a different job, to have a baby, to get married, to buy a home. I mean, think of all these things. To have difficulty removed from our life, you're just tired of certain things, and your passion is to get those things out of your life, to graduate, to have a spouse change so that you can have the marriage you desire, or your child change. New car, no more debts. I mean, what is it that becomes your passion? Even think about it in this way, that becomes the ruling passion of all that you say or do. Those things can be legitimate. Those struggles can be important to have a focus on, but they also can get in the way of Redemption Hill Church being the church that God has called us to be. So before we think about joining in God's mission, I think it's important for us to pause and ask ourselves, do we have a ready and willing heart? And so today, maybe today, could be the day where we could all just, I mean, just hold your hands like this. Everyone hold your hands like this right here. Just, just humor me for a moment. I don't like it when preachers do this kind of thing, but here we go. I'm doing it anyway. Hold your hands like this right here. And whatever that is for you, church stuff or personal stuff, whatever that is, remember we saying earlier fears and failures, whatever that is, I really want you to think in terms of I'm going to put that right there and I'm going to lift it to the Lord. 
Now, some of you may have a really good imagination. There's so many things you're putting in there. You might find yourself start leaning over like this. If you're afraid that's going to happen to you, just give them to the Lord one at a time. But I want you to think, I really want you to think in terms of that, of that right there, that, that church issue. I just, I'm having a hard time. I feel bitterness in there. And Lord, I just, I want to lift that up to you right now. I need help. I need, Holy Spirit, I need help. I, maybe you need to invite other people into that, but, but I just want to lift that to the Lord. Or that fear, or that failure, that sin that you're battling, or these ruling passions that now control everything you say and do, and it gets in the way of you thinking of eternal mindset in a, in a world that needs to know about Jesus. And you just need to lift that up to the Lord. You need to give that to Him. Could today be the day that we do that? I want us to think about this statement right here. Is this working? Back God's mission. Again, think about what is it that keeps you from being able to pursue that mission? And so I want you to take a moment. We're just going to have a moment of quiet. Joe's going to come up. And he's going to play some background music for us in a moment. But just whatever that is right there, see, your hands like this, whatever that is, you're going to put that in there. And you're, you're, going, to, you're going to give that to the Lord right now. So let's all bow for a word of prayer. What is it or what are the things or the people or the situations, the problems, the difficulties that you want to put there right now and cast your care on the Lord because he cares for you? And you want to give those to him. That's the things in your hand. Those are his responsibility. What we have on this slide up here, that's our responsibility. So give those things that belong to him and say, Lord, I want to commit myself to your mission. Just spend a few moments in prayer. That he wants to do a work continuously in our lives concerning so having a ready and willing heart is part of what it means to join God's mission. But we've got another point that we want to see here. Point number two, joining God's mission flows out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us. This is not about, oh, I've got to earn God's favor. I've got to work hard for him. I want to be able to get through the pearly gates what we do when we join in God's mission has everything to do with what he's already done for us. Mission always begins with the gospel. Even having a ready and willing heart, Lord, I need you, I need you, that, that desire for the Lord to be at work in us is a desire for the gospel to continue to have a work in us. As believers, we must be a people who rehearse the gospel daily. And that's what the Lord's Supper, communion, is all about. I love the fact that Jesus gave us a tangible, symbolic way for us to constantly remember. And we eat this bread and we drink from this cup. Why? To rehearse the gospel to ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, Paul talks about that night. The night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. What gives that betrayal meaning is what Christ is about to do. He's going to die for those sins says that he, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took that cup and he says, this is the cup, the blood, the new covenant. Drink in remembrance 
of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And here's what Jesus says. Notice how this connects with mission. He says, or Paul says this. Paul says, and so we proclaim the Lord's death. We rehearse it over and over and over and over and over and over again until he comes. It's a looking back and it's a looking forward. And we are right in the middle and we are a part of what God is doing in this world. I've got my Alabama tie on today. You'll see that a few times in the days ahead. It announces Alabama won. Roll Tide. Every time Alabama scores, I run around the room. Roll Tide. I high-five everybody, even the dog. Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide. And they score again. Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide. You see, we can get really excited about stuff like that. But when we partake of communion, we ought to be high-fiving each other. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And turn to your neighbor right now and high-five your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ or hallelujah or something. Because what we are about to celebrate, that's right, keep it going. What we are about to celebrate is way bigger than most things we get excited about. And we need to rehearse it. Hallelujahs in Jesus Christ. Things like, I was dead and now I'm alive. And you high five each other over that because of what Jesus has done. And so in this moment right now, I'm going to have the, the uh, ushers come forward and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to pass the elements and you're just going to partake whenever you're ready. The bread is going to come. The cup is going to come. And this is your private time to say, Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. If you want to turn to the person next to you and praise the Lord with them, feel free to do so. But we're rehearsing the gospel right now. And so let me pray even as the elements are being passed. Lord, we do thank you for the gospel. And we pray right now that in each one of our hearts, you would explode our hearts with gratitude for all that Jesus has done for us, for your glory and our benefit. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we're being passed, Joe's going to play some music for us, and then we're going to join together and sing, celebrating the good news of the gospel. Are you excited about the gospel? Let's just give the Lord a big hallelujah. 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 And you can high-five the person next to you, too, if you want to do that again. But we just, we've got good news in the gospel. So again, when we think about joining in God's mission, a ready and willing heart, but it always begins with the gospel. And so as we leave this time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, I'm going to invite a couple of you just to pray out loud right where you are and thank the Lord for the good news of the gospel. Can a couple of you pray loud and lead us in prayer? Lord, we bow before you and we give you one big hallelujah. You are worthy. You alone are worthy. We give you all praise and glory, and I pray for each one of us here that we would be the kind of people who proclaim your death until you come, that we would live in light of the glorious gospel, and that the blessed hope of your appearing would fill our minds and our days, 
and that we would join in your mission. So Lord, help us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one more point that I want to draw our attention to this morning. And so you can see the third point up there. Joining in God's mission involves the entirety of your life. If you would open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 is the passage that we want to just give a quick focus to. This is a question worth asking what Jesus asked the disciples here. The, the context of this is an incredible time where the disciples, especially through Peter, have just proclaimed the Messiahship of Christ. You are the Lord. Jesus wants to know, who do people say that I am? Following right on the heels of the feeding of the 4,000. A sign that was to produce belief. But in verse 11 of Mark chapter 8, the Pharisees began, came and began to argue with him seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. What in the world? 4,000 people were just fed with a little bit of bread and a few fish, and they want to see a sign. So when, later on as they get through the chapter, Jesus is going to ask them, who do people say that I am? And we're going to find that Peter is going to proclaim for the disciples in verse 29, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to don't tell no one about him because Jesus is on his way to the cross. And that's what he makes plain. You see, one of the difficulties for the disciples was to understand that the Messiah they longed for, who was going to bring in his kingdom, that Messiah was also the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And before that kingdom came, he needed to go to the cross so the Lord could crush him with the sins of the world. And bringing those two together, I think, as I read the Gospels, is the primary confusion for the disciples. They don't know how to pull those two together. They want a kingdom, but they don't realize they don't get a kingdom without salvation. And so Jesus begins to make this clear. Peter opposes this. And the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. You are not pursuing God's interest. You are pursuing your own. Now think about it for a moment. What does it mean for us to oppose Christ? What does it mean for us to pour our passions into something where he would say, you get behind me, Satan. That, that's not the Lord's interests. Those are your own interests. This, this is not about my agenda and what I'm called to do. He says in verse 34, I think I'm at the right verse. It's, it's real small in my Bible. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's, that's his agenda for us. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. And here's the question I want us to focus on this morning. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul, his life. For what can a man gain or give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So when we think about verses 34 um, through the end of the chapter, verse 34, Jesus makes a very clear statement. I'm going to the cross, and if you want to follow me, take your cross and follow me. Not, don't, he doesn't say take my cross. He says take your cross and follow me. 
Let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. And then how do we explain the rest of the verses? They each one begin with four, 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 four. So Jesus makes this point. Then he says, let me put it this way. Verse 35, four, whoever would save his life will lose it. Forever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Then he goes on, verse 36, and says, well, let me put it this way. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Well, let me put it this way, for what can a man gain in return for his life? Well, let me put it this way, for whoever is ashamed. But Jesus is making one point. In other words, as we join in God's mission, it involves the entirety of our life, everything about us. And when you look at this particular question at the beginning, I think it should be sobering for all of us. Think about this right here. If you look at this next slide, this one right here. Wow, look at that. Can you imagine what it was like for me when I saw that? You ever seen your name on a grave marker? It's a rather sobering thought. And when I ran across that right, and now the only thing bad with this is it says native of Tennessee. I mean, what in the world? <laughs> Should say Alabama on there somewhere and roll tide at the bottom. But the point is this. That right there sobers me because there's going to come a day if I am not alive when the Lord comes back that I'm going to breathe my very last breath and I'm going to be marked on this earth by a marker like that that says David Talley and that's it. That's it for the life on this earth. And so I'm really intrigued by the words of Jim Elliott, taken from his journal. Many of you know of this quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. What profit is there to gain the whole world and lose your life? And so Jim said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What is gaining the whole world? What does it mean to gain the whole world? There's a lot of different ways we could say it. Think of it this way. It's pursuing whatever we think will make our life better. Whatever we think will make our life better. I'm talking about apart from Christ. Whatever it would be that would eliminate our pain or would show us that we made it. We've arrived. I'm somebody. Whatever that would be to make us something or someone in this world, we might call that gain. When I was in Kenya once, I was looking at a very poor man on the side of the road who had a number of goats. And my host said, you know, that man's family is starving. And I said, well, why doesn't he slaughter a goat and they can eat it? He said, because that man feels pride in having those goats. It's a mark that he's somebody And he would rather his family die of starvation than lose that which makes him feel like he's someone. You see, we can pour our life into things. We will set our hearts on whatever it is that we think will bring us gain. We pour our energies into it, our life into it. We give everything for it. It's what Romans 1 says, we worship the creature rather than the creator. These are earthly things that can be good, they can be satisfying, they can be profitable even, 
But when we pour our energies into that, it's worshiping the creature, the created thing, rather than the creator. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, we don't want those things to become our mission, but what are those things? We, we've got to pay attention to what those things are. We don't want to worship the create, creature. We want to worship the creator. We want to give our lives for something that matters. John Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, some of you may have read that book. If you don't, I encourage you to pick it up. He has a chapter entitled American Tragedy, How Not to End Your Life. And this is what he says. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what tragedy is. What he had done is just told about a, a couple of missionary ladies, I think, who had come to the end of their life and they died. And people were talking about, oh, what a tragedy it is that they died. And he says, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider a story from the February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who, and this is what Reader's Digest said, took an early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. And now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells, end quote. Piper continues, at first, when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life, before you give an account to your Creator, be this playing softball, and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells. Piper continues, now that's a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream over against that, I put my protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Now, that may seem so shallow to us. Look, Lord, see my shells. But what would it be for us? Look, Lord, see my... What is that mission? What is it that we're pouring all of our energies into? Remember the story of the rich young fool in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. He looks at his crops, I, my, I, my, throughout the entire story. Look, my crops, I'll build bigger barns. And he stores up and stores up and stores up. And then he dies. And that grave marker becomes a reality. David Talley, dead. You fool Tonight the Lord has required your soul. And Jesus says that's the danger of making your mission wealth. Is there anything wrong with money? Is there anything wrong with created things? No, the Lord has given us created things for us to enjoy. It's when it becomes our passion, when we live for that. What is it that we look, for, look to for gain in this world? Jesus says, what does it profit a man? To gain that and lose his life and lose his soul. Well, what's saving your soul? What if we reverse the question? 
What shall it profit a man to save his soul and lose the world? Wow, that's, that's interesting to think about. What does it profit a man to save his soul, to save his life and lose the world? Well, everything. Everything. And that's why Jim Elliot said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. How do you save your soul? How do you save your life? You make Jesus central to everything. Jesus says it right here. If you want to follow me, in other words, if you want to save your life, then you take up your cross. You deny yourself, take up your cross daily, is what it says in one of the other gospels, and follow me. You do this as a daily, intentional way of living your life. And in order to think about that, I want us to think about four points that I want us to consider. You must loosen, this is the first one, you must loosen your grip on things that have captured your attention but are nothing more than gaining the world kind of things. So we're trying to use this question right here. What are those gaining the world kind of things? I pour my passion into it. I live for that, but in the end, it's, it's nothing. Things that have no profit. And tighten your grip on eternal things, a life following after Jesus, joining God's mission. We've got to find a way to loosen the grip and tighten the grip. A second point that we would have is you must know the life that God has called you to live. So how do we find that life? We, we get in his word. We read it. We learn what that mission is. We grow in the grace and knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's daily because daily we want our hearts to be reoriented back toward the Lord and remind ourselves of the mission that we're on. Another point for us to consider would be you must know that you cannot do this alone. Remember the, the core values are integrated the Christian life is to be lived together. You need the people in the body of Christ to keep you encouraged on staying the course in what God's mission is. Staying the course and not investing your passions in your whole life in things that do not profit, but in things that matter. And then finally, you must intentionally, and that's a key word, lead others toward the Lord. Home, friends, coworkers, fellow students, whatever that might be. So even a few weeks back, we talked about people need to feel your presence in this body. People around you in the world need to feel your presence. You need to be moving toward them so that you have an impact. People need the Lord. So as we join in God's mission, we have an incredible message to tell them. In June 2005, this was a, a little ways back, but so important. It was a 60 Minutes interview with Tom Brady. Some of you know that he's a very successful NFL quarterback with the New England Patriots. The interview took place at the stadium there in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I want to read just a quick excerpt from that interview. Listen to this. Brady says this. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goals, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? The interviewer says, what's the answer? Brady says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, I think there's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. I love playing football and I love being a quarterback for this team. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. Listen to those words. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. 
three Super Bowl rings and we think, man, he's arrived. That's gaining the world and losing your soul because he doesn't know what else there is out there. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. You see, there is more. Brady can know. The world can know. We have the answer in Jesus. We have the answer in the gospel. We have the greatest news this world could ever possibly hear found in the word of God, in the message of Jesus, in the gospel. It's found in the cross. We proclaim the Lord's death. It's found in his return until his returns. And we need to be a part of that mission. And so we think about this last slide that we put up here. May we unite together and join in God's mission out of gratitude for and our salvation to the glory of Jesus Christ. May we be the people who join in that. Do we have a ready and willing heart? Is it flowing out of a gratitude for the gospel? Are we all in is the question that we want to ask. And so I want you all to stand up at this time. And I'm going to ask if, a, if I could get a couple of people to come down. I've got gospel tracks right here. This is called Two Ways to Live. Could I have some people that take these to the back and pass these out. I would love all of you to take one of these on the way out. It's two ways to live. And I just want to encourage you, just in a simple way, this is a to-do step for this morning. Take one of these, and even if you just go like this, hey, I just thought you could have that, and leave. Even if that's all you do, that's a start. But I want us all to do something with this. Maybe all you do is go home and learn more about the gospel. But can I challenge you? Can I challenge each one of us to join in God's mission this week in a simple kind of way? You can leave it as a tip at a restaurant. Just make sure you put 50 bucks in it, okay? Just make sure you put 50 bucks in it. Don't put 50 cents and give them the message of the gospel. Give them a 50 and give them the message of the gospel. But can, maybe, maybe you all have someone in your mind that maybe you've been burdened with telling about Jesus. Just take it and say, you know, I've really wanted to share something with you for a while. And I, maybe we could read this together or maybe you could take it and you could read it on your own. But I just, I just want to tell you, this is great news here. Can I challenge all of us to be a part of God's mission? Wouldn't that be amazing if we all walked out of these doors and every one of us participated in God's mission this week. Every single one of us. And if you do that and you've got a story to tell, you tell us about it because we want to hear it. But right now, I want you to gather just with some people around you, two, three, four, whatever you want to do, and I want you to pray for one another that you would have a ready, willing heart, that your ministry would flow out of the gospel, and that you would put yourself all in. Just, just pray quickly with one another. Joe's going to come forward in just a moment and lead us in a closing song. Just someone lead in prayer. Just start praying. Don't talk about it. Just pray.